Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, your deep dive into anything and everything related to Yellow Jacket Athletics, Season 5, Episode 1. And all of a sudden, now we're visual. Of Eye of the Swarm, and yes, everything has changed because now it's visual and it's awkward. It is. (laughs) We're not quite sure how to proceed. (laughs) We've been kind of chatting this out a little bit off air before how we want to do this. Right, so (laughs) uh, we'll have Nick Bursick on a little bit later in the program, and he is the the person behind the the podcast needs to be video now. Yeah, he's been actually it can't just be an audio podcast. He's been kind of pushing it for a couple of years now. Yeah, he's been he wanting has. to get the R two ugly mugs on. Yeah, on camera. So I guess I guess we can blame him for this. Uh, we will. Okay, we will. Yeah, you know, okay. and I I, I, I fought this. <laughs> I, I fought this, but yeah, neither was, one of we're we're behind the mic guys, not in front of the he camera. He was guys. insistent that this yeah. was going to have to be something that was going to be video. So so here we are. It's a new yeah, era so for Eye of the Swarm. Is this going to make us celebrities? I hope not. I hope not. Yeah, me too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So. Yeah. At any rate, it's episode number one of season five, and uh, typically we wait a few weeks to let the fall sports kind of get into their seasons and see how, how things are playing out, and in the early going, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag. Yeah, it has been. Um, you know, most of the teams are performing pretty well. I think most of, the, most of the teams are also performing at a level we expected them to perform at. Uh, you know, men's soccer going after an eighth straight uh, UMAC title, um, you know, this season. Um, right now, they're scuffling a little bit. Um, got some very winnable games coming up, but they need to get back on the right track a little bit. The women are right where we thought they'd be. Yep, at the top of the league. Um, you know, volleyball right now is either in second or third. They're third. They're third. Okay. Yeah, men's golf won the preview again. The UMAC preview. Uh, men's cross country looks like they're going to be pretty strong and a favorite to win again. So, I think for the most part, the teams are doing pretty well. And even women's tennis has put together some nice results for a fall campaign. First time that they've had a fall com- campaign. Usually right. they place you know exclusively in the spring. So yeah, it's it, there's there's been I think some some good performances so far. Hopefully more to come. Um, but yeah, overall I think it's it's going right according to plan for the most part. Yeah, I want to touch on the t- the women's tennis team a little bit because you've got ever since CJ came in as head coach, he why aren't we playing in the ITA regionals? Yeah, you know why aren't we doing some work in the fall? And he was really the one that kind of spearheaded the whole thing of. You know, I'm gonna, first he took the men, yep, and brought them into the ITA. Then the second year he brought the women in, yeah. And now this year, even before the ITAs, he goes and demolishes two WIAC schools, yeah, yep. And then you know moves on to play in a very rugged tournament, the ITA, was part the most, of his team, yeah. And then sends the other half to Ocas Davis, who's a, a powerhouse as right. well in the tennis games. This so. is a different format this year for the regionals. I mean, right. We've seen both teams play in the ITA regionals in the past. This year the men did not. Uh, the women did though, and it was split. Mm-hmm. Half of them, half the action was in Whitewater, and the other half was actually in St. Peter. So now you've got about eight hours distance between the two locations. So he split his squad up, and they went down. Combined 32 matches they played in two days. Yellow Jackets, I think, won 13 of them. Mm-hmm. But that's a lot of tennis it's over a, a two-day period. And uh, even winning just the 13 matches, I think that's a good springboard. You know, talked about the women had a strong start. You know, they beat Stout and they beat uh, River Falls. Handily. Yeah, and very handily in two matches. They've got matches coming up this week against St. Norbert and UW Oshkosh, and then they'll be done for the fall and then mm-hmm. heading into their spring campaign. So it's sort of a, a push-off point, kind of a, a springboard into the next season. And the men, of course, coming off of a regular season title, yep, uh, undefeated, and they returned most of their players from last year's squad. So they did not play in the fall, but 
um, kind of a nice springboard because he had a really young tennis team last year. Yeah, and they're, they're going to play in here in a couple weeks yeah. when they go to the ITA regional okay. for the, on the men's side. So they'll, they'll get a little bit of action in, but I don't think it's going to be as extensive a schedule as no. the women are playing. And it was probably pretty good because the women were very young last year. There, yes. were, there was not a lot of upperclassmen there. In fact, I don't think there were any. Right. So he brought back some, uh, you know, almost all his players from that squad, and then he brought in two or three recruits that looked like they're going to make a big difference. So. Uh, probably a good idea to get them out there and get them playing early if you could, mm-hmm. you know, uh, earlier as as early as possible. Right. Yeah. And I know you uh, you touched on men's soccer as well, and I think the the question that I've heard the most is where are the goals? Yeah. Um, and well, Blake Perry graduated, so that's yeah. one. But I, I think everybody knew coming in that the offense wasn't going to be quite as plentiful as it has been in years past. Yeah. There's there's some things they need to tighten up for sure. Um, you know, they've been scuffling for goals a little bit. Well, for UW Superior, they've been scuffling for right. goals a little right. bit. Um, you know, there, there's some playmakers there, but they've got guys, you know, 11 different guys have scored goals, 13 different guys have got points. Um, you know, they're four, two and two, which is probably not exactly where they wanted to be. They want to be a little bit better than that. You know, they've got a game tonight against Northland. They've got three games this week, both yep. them and the women. So, you know, there's an opportunity there. The women are just moving right along. Um, you know, they played a tough game with Bethany Lutheran, who I think is probably gonna be their toughest challenger, uh, this season on, um, on Sunday, I guess it was, yep. um, weather <laughs> right weather stepped yep. in and rescheduled that game but um but the women picked up a big win against bethy lutheran uh, looked you know it, it was it was kind of a, a gutted out kind of game kind of sure. gritty but uh you know they found a way to get it done um but yeah the men the biggest problem the men have right now is they got to find some more goal scoring um you know blake perry scored 74 goals in his career here That's uh, insane. yeah <laughs> you know so that record's not going to be broken. yeah yeah and so right <laughs> now they're kind of trying to find that next guy that's going to step up and start putting uh you know balls in the back of that they lost the game to bethy lutheran a big part of it is because they didn't finish their chances. They had plenty of the ball, plenty of the opportunities in that game, just yep. could not find the back of the net. And then they had a miscue in the back that allowed uh, Bethany to get the goal and, and win the game. But, um, yeah, there's some work to be done there. Um, and the women, I think, are, are performing pretty highly on the other side of it. Um, you know, the, the usual suspects there. Yep. A um, lot of depth. This is the deepest team she's ever had, yep. uh, Coach LeGroat. And so, I think it's the deepest team we've ever had. Yeah, she's got 28 players on this roster, and we've now gotten to the point now where players are vying for playing time. Yep. And so that's something we haven't had here in a really long time. And uh, right now, you know, you've got 28 players right now that, that can step out on the field and contribute. So, um, yeah, I think those two programs, I mean, the men have established themselves now. The expectations are always high. The women mm-hmm. have also established some expectations as being high. As far as volleyball goes, uh, not a bad start to the preseason. You know, they're nine and six right now. Uh, three and one, or is it two and one? I think it's three and one in the UMAC. Three. It's three and one. Three. Yeah, three and one. Uh, coming off of a loss against Morris, which I think was a little bit disheartening, but, you know, Coach Lynn Diedrich wins her thir- 300th career game mm-hmm. at the helm of the program and the sweep over uh, Crown on Friday night. So that was a that was a good thing. You know, obviously, yep. congratulations to her on getting her 300th win. Um, and men's golf and women's golf, they're getting ready for the UMAC uh, Tournament. I know it's yeah, the it's championships like, next week. Yeah, they've got one more. Uh, they've got respectively. They've each have got one more uh, meet to go, and then they're off and trying to win a conference title. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, things are moving right along. That's for sure. Yep. And cross country was idle last week, but of course the men are were the preseason favorite yep. in the poll again. So, um, yeah, I mean it, it, it. It's funny because we have probably more teams in the fall now than we have any other season you I do think. yeah yeah you do and there's and just a lot going on um, I'm, I'm looking ahead to this weekend going there's so many recaps <laughs> i'm gonna have all right because all, right. all my staff is gone so right yeah friday yeah. and saturday are gonna be it's gonna be busy insanely busy yeah it's gonna be because there's a lot of home games in there too both soccer teams are at home saturday volleyball's home friday right. saturday we'll so go through that schedule real it's quick a here. it's a busy stretch yeah why don't you jump yeah in we'll that. jump in uh men's soccer um three games this week same thing with the women they're playing the same opponents just different times 
they're at Northland College, both teams, 4.30 and 7 p.m. The men will start first at 4.30, and then the women follow up at 7. They're both at home, though, coming up on Saturday and Tuesday. So coming up here in the next week, uh, Saturday uh, against Martin Luther, 2 p.m. and 4.30 p.m. Pre-game on IFAM with me doing the play-by-play uh, about 15 minutes ahead of time. And then on Tuesday against Crown as well. And these games are all at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex, um, except for the Northland games on the road tonight. Um, but the, then on uh, Tuesday, it's 1 and 3.30 with pregame 15 minutes ahead of time again. So busy stretch, six combined games mm-hmm. between the two teams. And to be honest with you, probably should win six, all six games, but we'll see. You know, you never know the way things are going That's right now. That's why we now. play the games, Matt. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, volleyball, John already kind of alluded to it. Uh, they're uh, at home twice this week as well. Um, on Friday, they take on the number four ranked team in the country, Northwestern. That'll be a 7 p.m. Uh, opening serve, and I think 6.45 on the iFan Sports Network. I'm not sure who is doing the play-by-play for that. I don't know. I don't know either. Okay. But then on Saturday, it won't be me, I can tell you It won't be that. me either, so unfortunately, but they will be on. And then on Saturday, they take on North Central, 1 p.m. and 12.45 pregame on iFan. Someone will be doing that game as well, I'm sure. Uh, men's and women's golf, we talked about them. They have one more uh, meet before the actual UMAC uh, tournament, which is a two or three days. Three day? Three. I think it's three day. This week, they're both at the quote-unquote regular season finale. That's kind of the way I'm putting it. Uh, my Martin Luther. Martin Luther actually hosts a pretty good tournament. They usually bring some pretty good teams into that. The MLC Fall Invitational, uh, it'll be at the Oakdale Golf Club in Buffalo, Minnesota. And that game will oh, those games. That the meet will be on Saturday, and the game uh, the two the two Meets for both the men and the women start at 10 a.m. Women's tennis. We talked about them just at the IT regionals, ITA regionals. They have a doubleheader to close out the fall campaign. They're taking on uh, St. Norbert and UW Oshkosh on Saturday in two different locations. Uh, on Saturday, it's uh, Norbert at uh, John and Faye YMCA Tennis Center in Eau Claire. That's 10 a.m. And then they go over to Baldwin Woodville High School to take on UW Oshkosh. That's 3 p.m. And men's and women's cross country also in action. They were off last week. They'll be at the Blue Gold Invitational hosted by Eau Claire at Whitetail Golf Course in Colfax. Men's race starts at 4.15 p.m. while the women's race follows up an hour later at 5.15. And so that's what's coming up this week. But it's busy. It's full, full slate. Yeah, there's a full slate of it's stuff coming slate. up, uh, you know, uh, launching a new design of the website, the athletics website. You can mm-hmm. find all this there, of course, uwsyellowjackets.com. And it's actually pretty slick. <laughs> I like the new look. So far, know. so good. Yeah, I know. I know you were <laughs> – before we went on the air, it actually launched. And um, – you uh, I, you were waiting anxiously in your office, and Correct. I was right there with you. So. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. How do you feel about the, the the redesign? Did you like the look of it? I do. Okay. Yeah, I do. Okay. How much input did you have on that? Quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Okay. Between so. myself and Holden and, and Nick, we were okay. the ones that kind of guided the sidearm people into how we wanted it to look. So. Okay. Yeah, quite a bit. Okay. Well. So blame me. Okay. Well, it's all his fault. It looks so good. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so that's what's coming up this week. We'll take a break, and we will come back with our first guest of 23-24, Director of Athletics Nick Bursick. You are tuned in to Eye of the Swarm. We're back on Eye of the Swarm, and this is a, it's a little bit awkward for us here as we transition from the audio-only podcast into video, and it's appropriate that Athletic Director Nick Bursick is with us because you were kind of the, this is your brainchild. You're the one who said, Let's move this thing into video. Let's let's try it. Let's give this a shot and see what it does. So why would you do this to us? Because I have a face made for radio. Why would you do this? So to do me? I, by the way. Yeah, I Thanks, think Nick. two good looking guys. Let's <laughs> let's get us out there a little bit. But uh, you know, the podcast has been a great thing for us to invest in and uh, you guys get to tell the stories of our student athletes and our coaches. Um, and this gives us another medium to expand the reach a little bit. So excited that we're now on screen. <laughs> 
It's because you only have to do it once a year. Correct. We have to do it yes. every. Yeah, we have to do it week. every single week. <laughs> but let, let's talk about now. The uh, the year has started here. We're uh, almost a month into the academic year and the the athletic season. And what have the what is, what has it been like early for you here? And what what have you seen through the the beginning, the first month of the twenty three twenty four year? Not just from your, from your your teams, but maybe from the university as a whole. Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. And again, thanks for having me on. Always fun to kick off the year with the podcast, with us chatting. And, um, you know, one of the questions I think we often get every summer is, what do you do in the summer? Um, you know, it's your downtime. It's, it's your downtime. <laughs> and really for us, it, it really isn't a downtime. That's when we really go to work to prepare for this upcoming year. Um, everything big facilities wise, which I'm sure we'll touch on a lot of work that we're doing there. Uh, to little things like the branding concept for this year, you know, all this stuff takes work and uh, to get it ready for our student athletes to arrive in September, you know, we start that process sometimes even before the academic year right. ends the year before. So it's been a lot of work, um, but it's exciting to have our student athletes back on campus now for about a month. Um, some of our soccer and fall sports student athletes a little bit sooner than that, but it's been a good start to fall. Uh, love seeing our student athletes compete. This is also a new year for us from an NCAA playing standpoint. So, you know, we have winter sports practicing right now, which traditionally they never have. So it's been some new elements, new opportunities to engage with our student athletes, which I think is good. And I know talking with uh, Coach McKenna, he, he likes being able to not have to wait until yeah. October to get a couple of sessions in here and there. Well, where did that come from? Because for years, the NCAA was like, nope, it's a firm October 15th. You don't do anything before October 15th. How did that start to change that yeah. you know of? <clears throat> yeah, it's a great question. I, I think for a while, Division Three has always wanted to assess philosophy-wise, student experience-wise, playing competitively, um, our next evolution. Um, and things boiled kind of to a head, but really to a point where the membership really said let's time it's time to assess it's time to evolve um, and at that point in time last January there was still a variety of concepts in which division three was considering uh, things to really opening up legislatively what programs could do and kind of adopting the model the playing season model we had during COVID with 114 days those days could happen at any point in time during the academic year uh, total flexibility to staying with the traditional model that you know the NCA had for decades uh, in terms of what the playing season is, predefined period, preset period, uh, to where I think we landed from an NCA's perspective is more more in a hybrid model, which I think is a good compromise both to allow coaches and staff to have a little bit more interaction, a little bit more engagement little more preparation uh, to also balance the student athlete perspective mm -hmm. of wanting still that balance from an academic personal work-life balance that uh, perspective so I think it's been good so it's been an evolution from the NCA perspective to ultimately get us to this point but I think we're learning a little bit too of what this means for our student athletes and what does it mean competitively for us you know winter sports ice hockey in particular it's it's typically a short grind in the old season uh, playing season model you know, they get on the ice and it's a short grind, a big grind, uh, two, three weeks, and then you're playing right mm -hmm. away. So it can be very hard, very condensed, period, um, heavy from a workload intensity perspective. So I would hope now that, you know, with our coaches being able to flex some things out, we can ease that transition for our student athletes and help make sure they're 
better prepared and hopefully in the long run are be able to f- perform a little bit better because of it. You used the word balance in there, and is that balance the reason why Division Three does not have basically the no-holds-barred that Division One has? Because Division One schools, you've got hockey programs practicing in July. You've got mm-hmm. football happening around, you know, around mm-hmm. the entire calendar. Is balance the reason? Yeah, I think it's a big part of a Division Three philosophy in terms of being able to balance the experience for our student athletes. Um, you know, Division Three, we pride ourselves on probably being the most balanced between it for our student athletes in terms of their athletic commitments to their academic commitments to then allowing them to pursue personal opportunities as well whether that's study abroad or other co-curricular type of uh, opportunities for students we want that from an NCAA division three philosophy statement so I I think yeah we probably are the division that allows that the most which uh, you know I think we do on our campus pretty well we have a number of students every year study abroad we have a number of students actively engaged in other student organizations uh, and then you know they're heavily involved with us as well too so hopefully we can provide that balance but I think you know circling back it's it's a new playing season we're learning things we also have an additional strength coach on staff this year uh, this year which is presenting some new opportunities for us as well and supporting our student athletes so uh, you know it's a big year for us and and some things have changed the landscape has changed a little bit so hopefully uh, we're supporting our student athletes and learning along the way to better position us from a competitive standpoint it kind of seems like also there's just some other periphery things also that are you know I mean launch of the redesign of the website which is I think a big deal which has been live now yeah for, live now for uh, how 21 long? minutes. Yeah, 21 <laughs> minutes. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of anticipation for Superior Choice Credit Union Stadium, which mm-hmm. is now uh, – there's actually a rendering now, so people can actually come up. I actually saw a couple athletes in the hallway uh, actually take a look at Nia Wilson specifically walked by, saw it, and then she stopped and looked at it again. So, you know, there's there's a lot of cool things happening up on campus right now. Things that, I've, you know, we, we've talked about how, how we want the teams to be successful, you know, when they're on the field or on the ice or on the court. Um or, you know, on the course. Um, but right now there's a lot of other things happening that are outside of that that also is generating a lot of excitement. I just want to get your, your, your perspective on all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of that goes back to the work we do in the summer to prepare. But, um, yeah, you hit on a few big ones for us. Um, certainly for us, one of the biggest things that we've focused in on is our marketing and our branding and a credit to John and Holden and Ryan and Emma and the crew that all really go into – ensuring that our branding is top notch. Um, everything from our media days to our backdrops, there's not too many division three institutions doing what we're doing from a branding perspective, a social perspective. Uh, but a lot of that work starts again, uh, even before the end of the academic year, we're right. brainstorming ideas. We wanna get our student athletes opinions and thoughts on, on what they wanna see in the next evolution of our branding. Um, so, you know, that's a big thing. The website relaunch is a big thing. We also have a, fundraising website to help us in some regards too um, so those things are critical for us and you know kudos to the team that does our work because uh, you know again it's top notch and kind of a leader in division three in those regards as well um, and then the bigger things facilities we've known for a while that uh, we need upgrades to our facilities and we're very excited about uh, Spirit Choice Credit Union Stadium coming on board uh, to break ground this spring. Hopefully we get a nice easy winter for us and <laughs> we can help speed that process up, but it'll be great. Um, and really, you know, we're excited that that's 
phase one of uh, a variety of projects we're now pursuing as an institution, all rooted in supporting our students and our student athletes and their opportunities. So I'm excited not only what it will do for us competitively, but what, what it means to the institution from an academic standpoint, a rec standpoint, uh, and then a broader community perspective. It, these are going to be game-changing facilities that will hopefully help us take those next steps. In the last week, it's been out a little bit more about the the potential for another field house it was in the Duluth News Tribune expansion Western mm -hmm. arena baseball softball fields can you touch a little bit on that I know a lot of that is just conceptual at this point and a lot of those conversations are just that they're conversations because the you know the the jar that has all the pennies in it to build this thing doesn't have many pennies in it right now so yep. What can you can you touch on some of that a little bit? Yeah, so uh, as I alluded to, facilities doesn't stop with just the construction of the stadium. Um, we're really looking comprehensively as an institution, not only what our needs are, but what are the needs within the community, within the region as well. Um, so excited to be doing some groundbreaking work, truly amongst the state and amongst the UW system, at looking at solutions of how we get uh, the infrastructure and facilities that we need. So, yeah, we've gotten some publicity in recent weeks uh, because of it, but um, it's exciting opportunities for us. Um, two of the main projects that probably have garnered the most interest is, as you alluded to, the expansion of Westman Arena, um, which would include two additional ice sheets, uh, be able to support not only our use, the school district, uh, but also the youth organizations here in town alongside the development of baseball softball facilities as well. Um, so really building a nice athletic corridor on that side of campus for our student athletes and, and the community as well. On the other side, on the Belknap side, uh, looking at renovating some vacant land there that used to be Ole Hogs Rood Field. Um, some of that land will get redeveloped as a part of the stadium, but um, a good frontage space for us to build uh, some additional space as well and as you guys know with our weather uh, indoor space is a premium uh, turf facility turf space is a premium um, and really we want to be able to provide those opportunities for our athletes to train year-round um, and, and be on services that are game-like for them so having a turf field house would be a tremendous asset to us and that's the other part of the p3 project that we're pursuing um, the institution outside of athletics and recreation are also looking at ways in which we need to just enhance kind of uh, support for our students as well so pursuing other opportunities that could include retail could include housing could include a hotel uh, also could include partnerships with uh, local businesses and organizations to address community-based needs like mental health behavioral health um, so we are really doing some groundbreaking work as an institution which is very exciting uh, we're excited to see the next uh, phase as these projects develop. Uh, we have some internal milestones to hit, um, which we're actively working on. Uh, but then we get to the phase of feasibility, and, and that's where it's going to get exciting. And I'm sure there's going to be a, mm -hmm. a push at some point to help uh, make those projects happen. But we're excited. You know, none of that is going to ever materialize until we start talking about it. And we've been talking about it. We've been now taking actionable steps to get us that much closer to a runway for construction and operation. And for, I, I don't know if, if people really understand how slowly the wheels turn on things like this. Next fall, if everything goes according to plan, the soccer teams will be playing right outside this facility here. Mm -hmm. That took eight years 
10 years going back to first conversations yep. to fruition, it, it takes a long time. It, it, it does. Yeah. It, so uh, people thinking that Westman's <clears throat> going to expand in two years. No, no. Yeah, it, it, it takes time. Um, some of there are ways in which we can accelerate timelines uh, really through philanthropic support and uh, having donations really be the runway to build and get to a construction phase. Um, but yeah, as you alluded to, there it's a process. Uh, we do work as a state agency with our UW system peers and then also uh, with state agencies, the Building Commission and DFD. And um, we really want to make sure when we do construct that, one, it's feasibly uh, possible to do so. But then when we construct, uh, the assets that we're building, the facilities that we're building are going to be here for a while, too, um, that, you know, we're building to a high grade. And that's what excites me about the stadium, too, is um, – that stadium will feature some of the best surfaces that we possibly can get. Uh, and that's an investment we're making as an institution with the support of UW system to ensure that our athletes are playing on uh, conditions and surfaces that are going to lend well to their performance, but also to their health and safety too. So it is a process. Mm -hmm. um, we, we work the process as best we can, um, but we've known that, you know, we need to start this and, right. and that's why we've started <laughs> to engage in conversations early on to get us to this point and hopefully you know the runway here moving forward is is going to see some tangible action it looks good i mean i'm i this is probably the most activity i've seen in regards not just having the teams here for the fall but in terms of other periphery things that are happening too that go beyond the field competition and that's the part that excites me the most is the fact that you know, you do get the redesign of the website which keeps things nice and fresh you've got the stadium coming in there's now a long-term plan so you can actually see what the plan is going to be. You know, you've, like you, you talked about the, the social media aspect of it. We've got a great social media team here. Um, I got a chance to work with those guys during the summer quite a bit, and uh, they're, they're tip-top. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's just, there's just a, I think, a tangible level of excitement for the other things that are happening, you know, some of the upgrades that are going on. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Morarelli Gym went through a couple of different upgrades not that long ago, and that was sort of exciting, but – this is much more wide-ranging than what we're talking about right now. You know, it's been little things here and there. There's been some updates, of course, also upgrades at Westman. But this is a much more wide-ranging mm -hmm. and much more, you know, ambitious overall plan. Right. And, you know, I think it's probably been a long time coming. You know, John, you and I have been part of UW-Superior now in the, in the community here for a long time. And this is probably the most activity I've seen mm -hmm. in a positive direction. So... Um, I'm just really excited to get the year going and the fact that we're, you know, not just the teams are competing at a pretty high level as they usually do, but the fact that there's also extra things to try to ensure that we keep that level and then raise it even a little bit higher. Right. You know, beyond just what we're doing on the field and on the mm -hmm. court and on the ice and, you know, on the golf course and when we're running, you know, races and things like that. I'm, I'm pretty excited about all that just myself. That's just an editorial comment, but um, this is the most I've seen though. Agreed. Yeah. No, agreed. I've been here almost 30 years. And yeah. Yeah. This is definitely the most that, that we've seen, but there's always a but. <laughs> you, the, the money has to come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you talked about a, a big piece. This probably has to be philanthropic. So if you have $25 million burning a hole in your pocket, <laughs> this is the guy you, you want to talk find, to. You can find his contact to to information yeah. on the new website. <laughs> right. But how do you approach that? Yeah. Because there, it's a big number. And there aren't a lot of people locally, citizens or businesses, there aren't a lot of alumni from this mm -hmm. campus that are capable of 
having that be a drop in the bucket. Yeah. So how do you approach this? Yeah, you know, I, I would say similar to what our coaches probably say from a performance standpoint. I mean, if they want to go out and win ch championships, it takes a team effort. Uh, and these projects are a team effort, you know, and our team is everyone. Um, not only our current student athletes, but our alumni, our business partners in the community, our partners at System, our partners within the state. Uh, it really takes a team effort to achieve these projects. And I think that's the lens that we're approaching it is it's going to take a team approach. Um, we would love to have a donor, you know, <laughs> be able to write a massive check. But, um, you know, it, it, whether you're a hundred dollar donor or a multimillion dollar donor, it all matters. It all contributes to our student athletes. Uh, we're very excited to be forming partnerships as well to help make these projects a reality. You know, as we think broader within the community as well, partnerships are really the key that, that can move the needle for us. Right. Uh, and we're very thankful to have strong partnerships with a lot of local businesses and organizations that are supportive of us and uh, do see the impact our student athletes are making and we're making on their lives, uh, but also the reach within the community mm -hmm. and where that goes as well. So. Best I can say, it's going to continue to be a team effort. Um, and yeah, if, if you're a donor and, you know, whether big or small, it all goes to impact our student athletes. And we're pursuing some big, bold, innovative things that, you know, hopefully helps propel our department forward. But we're always in the need of, you know, the smaller things, of ways in which we can enhance their experience. You talked about some upgrades to the gym. You know, we pursued a few projects this uh, summer for those facilities as well. You know, excited to do some lighting things, some intro things, some enhancements there. You're that, excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> those are things it's that only... me up at night right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting yeah. on the dry run, which <laughs> takes place <laughs> shortly thereafter in this particular podcast. But, yeah. Yeah. but we're excited about those enhancements. Right. You know, a number of our teams did retreats, and a lot of that is possible through the day of giving that we do as well. And, you know, so we're thankful for all the donors that we have, whether big or small, the partnerships, the, the sponsorships that we form, it truly all goes to help us achieve our ultimate goal of supporting our student athletes and their experience. So very excited for that. It's going to continue to be a team approach. We love to expand our team as well, too. So if you know, somebody wants to reach out, we're always happy to have a conversation. Close circuit Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> if you're watching this by chance, right? Yeah, if it makes its way to the West Coast and to his living room, yes. Before we we close up the stadium talk, I just for, as a as a former baseball player, as mm -hmm. a former baseball coach, as a former softball coach, I, I feel like those are the two programs that have kind of really, I don't want to say gotten the short end of the stick, but have always had to fight the uphill battle mm -hmm. with those facilities so with your history within those programs how how important is that yeah baseball softball it's critical you know when i was a player here uh, i played at ted Ware at field and then i coached there for a number of years after and um, for those of you that aren't familiar with ted Ware at field uh, it is built on concrete spoil or construction spoil so we have concrete rebar popping through uh, it's, it's built on kind of swampy wetland area, um, so it does not drain well. 
Um, actually, left field is eroding into the creek. Um, I haven't been out there for a few weeks, but last time I was out there, I would imagine the gap between the fence and the ground now is probably two feet. So it, it's had significant erosion. We know that ultimately that's just not the best place for it. Um, it's, it's not conducive to a great facility. Um, so we are uh, actively working to find ways to support our baseball and softball student athletes in, in constructing new facilities. Um, kind of step one for us, though, is the stadium project, is that then opens up land right. next to Westman Arena for baseball and softball fields as well. So um, the stadium will go in, excited for breaking ground on construction, but equally on our radar is trying to find a path forward for baseball and softball. Very appreciative of the partnership we have with the local school district and being able to play on their facilities right now. Um, but their needs continue to grow as they uh, see participation growth amongst their teams. Now they're going to be adding lacrosse programs as well too, which is great for youth uh, locally here. But that does mean there's going to be more individuals, more teams trying to vie for time on facilities. Um, and, you know, we, we could benefit from our own too. So sure. we're going to be working on that as well and trying to find a path forward. Um and yeah, it is, it's needed. It's been needed for a, a long time as well. You know, I mentioned baseball, but softball has been in that same boat. Um, kind of been a nomad in terms of playing on multiple community-based fields and it's time for us to give them a home here on campus as well too. So very hopeful that we can find a path forward there to also see those facilities become a reality. Yeah, I mean, in thinking about it, I think softball is probably the only team that really has not played a true home game other than perhaps cross-country when they run their races, you know, out in Imagi mm -hmm. that hasn't had a, a true home game since I've been here. I mean, they play – right now they're playing up at Superior High School, and that's a nice field, and it's a, it's a good setup. Um, but even before that, they were still playing, you know, their games over at the community, you know, uh, softball diamonds mm -hmm. in the complex, complex yep. over there. Uh, baseball, you know, for a while they played their games at Whereat, like you said. Uh, the field has always been somewhat problematic. Soccer also played their home games on that field for a while behind, you know, Whereat. But, yeah, softball is sort of – they have been a true nomad, really. I mean, even their home games aren't on campus. I mean, it's close, but it's not – you know, there's that – it makes a difference when you're on your own on your own turf and it's your own field. So mm -hmm. um, I'm sure Coach Fracker would be thrilled <laughs> when that comes – or when it comes to reality. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. No yeah. doubt. And, and that's too, you know, all the facility talk, it's all, again, rooted in supporting our teams, supporting our student-athletes. I really look forward to one day, hopefully we get there, where they have their outdoor fields from a competitive standpoint, and they also have the indoor turf field house. That's really going to allow for optimal training for our student-athletes, and we're, we're hopeful we can make it a reality. Those projects do require some level of donor support, too, so... Again, maybe a shameless plug, but a plug nonetheless. We have no shame yeah. on I Have the Sword. No, we do not. <laughs> the one thing that we've proven through 69 episodes of accounting, it's that we have no shame. Yeah, but anyone that really is passionate about our sports or seeing our student-athletes be in a position to be successful, we love to have conversation, love to find ways to partner to make these a reality. And again, it doesn't just stop with us. These are facilities that are going to impact our youth, going to impact our community, going to impact the region. Um, and really have a tremendous impact. So we'd love to talk. <laughs> Let's shift gears a little bit and, and talk um, health mm -hmm. from an, a university standpoint and from a conference standpoint, because basically since the pandemic, there's universities are dropping. 
they're mm-hmm. closing, you know, close to home. We lost Finlandia this year, yep. and that's a, a school that we played in just about every sport. So with that kind of thing in mind, what is the current health of UW-Superior and of the UMAC as a whole? Yeah, good question. For us, you know, we're excited that this year we'll probably be at an all-time high in retrospect over, over the last decade of the amount of student athletes that we have. So um, for us internally within athletics, um, good, stable uh, enrollment and, and all of our rosters are, are at a healthy position. Um, institutionally, uh, we should be relatively consistent with where we've always been. We continue to see growth in our online, uh, our online graduate programs, which are great, providing new opportunities for students. Uh, seeing student demographics shift a little bit in terms of preference to online compared to on campus, but that's relatively the norm. But institutionally, you know, I think we're, we're good where we are um, and we're able to offer a good student athlete experience because of it as well. So stable there amongst the UMAC and amongst our region. Yeah, as you alluded to, um, you know, higher education right now is a tough sled ahead. Um, but I do think a lot of us are looking at how can we use athletics as a strength and how can our student athletes uh, help in the recruitment of additional students, whether that's through opportunities through sports or, or other opportunities, really using athletics to leverage uh, that from an enrollment perspective as well. So, um, yeah, do we, do we have potential challenges ahead? I'm sure we do, uh, both institutionally and then within the region and maybe even within our conference. But uh, excited about where we are and the opportunities like we alluded to, the facilities, that's only going to help us from a growth perspective, uh, help open new opportunities for us as well, too. Use the word growth. So what does that mean? Are you talking growth in terms of enrollment? Are you talking sport growth? Are you, to, you know, how do, how do you use the word growth in that situation? Yeah, I, I think it's a multitude of things. Um, growth just in terms of our ability to support our current teams and our current student athletes. You know, facilities play a big part of that, just being able to train and being able to I don't want to say increase our expectations, but maybe fulfill our obligations to our student athletes and support their experiences. Growth could look at, you know, the ability for us to look at sports and opportunities that we have to sponsor new sports here as an institution. Uh, Growth could also look at partnerships and opportunities to expand our reach and work more with youth organizations or other organizations uh, to really benefit um, the community as a whole too. So, um, I think growth could be a multitude of things. Uh, sometimes, you know, growth is just stabilizing as well and supporting what we currently have too. So I'm excited. I truly am excited about the work that we've done and the work that we're going to continue to do and where we could be in the next three to five years. Hopefully it looks like a brand new campus in some respects. And, you know, I think that'll be attractive to students, uh, not just student athletes. What about from a conference standpoint? Because I, I know there's only so much you can say that way, but are they viewing potential growth membership-wise, uh, championship sport-wise? What is the UMAC looking at? Yeah, I think the UMAC, you know, we have an AD council and a president's council that is always looking at ways in which we can grow and stabilize uh, support our student-athletes. That could look at membership growth. That could look at sport growth. That could look at ways in which we... Uh, you know, strengthen our current membership and, and increase our profile as a conference as well, too. So uh, it's exciting to know Chancellor Walker serves as the chair of uh, the President's Council. So, you know, she has a seat at the table. Uh, a number of 
uh, our staff serve on various roles within the conference as well too so we're able to be at the table for those conversations and being able to hopefully push us forward from a growth perspective but look at new opportunities again it gets back to supporting our student athletes and their experience um, we're excited to be members of the UMAC, but we're also excited to look at ways in which we can strengthen ourselves and, and strengthen, help strengthen the conference to continue to position ourselves from a competitive standpoint. Yeah, that, that sounds good to me. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I was like, you had something to say. No, no, I, uh, I left you speechless. No, left that. me speechless. That, that doesn't happen real often. It's for people who know me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it was a bit of a jar to see that Finlandia was going under. Uh, we had known that they were in some financial difficulty for quite a while. Um, but it kind of came down, the way it came down was, I think, somewhat shocking just because it was announced probably midway through the spring season, I think it was. Pretty close to the middle, early I believe They were just getting yeah. ready to go on their spring trip, I believe. Yeah, and so there was a lot of things that were happening there that just sort of, I think it, 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 it reinforces the idea that the small colleges and the small universities, not just you know, in the UMAC or in the MIAC because, you know, they're, they're mostly private and that's a different ball game right. altogether usually. But Finlandia was also private and they went under. So it's – there are definite challenges now, I think, even post-COVID that, you know, are, these, these schools are now facing. And, John, you and I have talked about that, um, you know, and, and some of the schools are adapting better than others. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a little bit of a hairy time if you're someone who is looking to go to a smaller school. It can be a little bit nerve-wracking if you're not sure about – you know your campus and where it's at um i know that there were a lot of athletes and students and students just period at finlandia that were kind of shell-shocked mm -hmm. by what had happened when the announcement was made um i know people within the athletic department were also shell-shocked because a lot of them had no idea right until they either got an email or someone called and asked them specifically about how they felt about finlandia closing um but i mean john you and i sat there and we kind of went through it and just were like wow yep kind of came out of the blue and i know you knew their sid and he was one of the guys that was like, came completely out of the blue. I had no idea this was happening. Right. <laughs> so it's a little, you know, it, it, it's it's reassuring to hear that, you know, as far as I think as a, as a state, you know, institution goes, UWS has a little bit of cover there, especially being, you know, the only four-year campus in the UW system that's in the northwest part of the state. Right. Um, but there are challenges out there, and you know, and, and I'm sure that there are schools within UMAC that are also facing the same challenges that Finlandia face, and that's, I think, where some of the anxiety is coming in a little bit mm -hmm. for those of us around the conference and, and just hoping for the best for those mm -hmm. schools as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, like I said, it's, it's going to be a tough landscape for higher education. It's just you look at high school graduation uh, classes and what it's forecasted out to be. Uh, we know for us, ultimately, for us to recruit, student athletes or students to this campus it's about the experiences that we're able to provide them both in the classroom and outside of the classroom and you know I think we've been intentional within athletics to talk about ways in which we can strengthen the student athlete experience uh, from a variety of things like the branding the marketing the social growth that we've done you know that helps us get our name out there helps mm -hmm. us helps our coaches from a recruiting perspective I know our current student athletes love it they always want more but they always want more yes. they love it um, to you know ways in which we're supporting them when they are actually here on campus to doing the team retreats to creating a community to creating a sense of belonging you know that stuff aids in in our ability to provide 
experiences and services to our student athletes. You know, you mentioned health. It makes me think of, you know, the partnerships we have with Essentia for sports medicine. Sure. Um, you know, our athletic trainers, we renovated our training room this past summer um, to allow it to operate more from a clinical setting, but also to have some amenities. It's to, so wide open down it, there. It is too. very wide open, um, you know, and I'm surprised we didn't do the podcast and then the new lounge chairs. Cause <laughs> They got two massage chairs down there. Yeah, we, there's three of us. Yeah, one of us would have to would have to take, <laughs> I take turns. The bullet on yeah. that one. I just, <laughs> I'll sit on the floor. <laughs> but you know, those things. You know, they have the recovery tools now for our student athletes. Those things aid in our ability to support. I'm very excited. I have Jess here on staff now from a strength perspective. You know, PJ was a great hire for us. Great ability for us to walk into that space finally to support our student athletes. But he was one coach trying to help 325 student athletes over 19 programs. You know, that was a lot. Right. Um, even with the addition of Jess. Now we have two strength coaches serving 350 student athletes. Still a lot to ask, but hopefully we're making more touch points, having more meaningful connection for our for our student athletes. And then, you know, from a health perspective, mental health has been something we've been intentional about addressing because our student athletes have said over and over again they want more support in those areas. So very thankful to have partnerships with Student Health and Counseling to do uh, screenings ahead of time. We're one of a few institutions. There's many Division One institutions that don't even do a practice like that to then doing more preventative, proactive work with the Pruitt Center for Mindfulness and Wellbeing and doing team sessions about uh, relevant topics about mindfulness and um, meditation and breathing and uh, purpose and identity. Those are all things that just aid in our ability to support our student athletes from a more holi holistic, comprehensive approach. So long-winded answer, but you know, I'm excited about our institution because we're doing very intentional, innovative things to support our student athletes, their experiences, which will help us from an institutional perspective. I appreciate the candor on all that too, because nothing you talked about today what what the public sees is wins and losses. Yep. yep. And everything that we talked about today is, with the exception of stadium, is behind the scenes, things that people do not know about. Right. So yep. they might view this and go, wow, does Superior do a lot for these kids? Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's times where every single time I see a kid get their, their fresh Under Armour apparel for the year where that – you know, they want more, right. yep. yeah. but I look at it and go, man, I got one jacket in yeah. four years yeah. when I played here. And These you probably kids, had to pay for it. Yeah. We did. We did. <laughs> These kids, get, they get so much stuff, and it's yeah. awesome that we've been able to take those steps. But there's so much stuff behind the scenes yep. that I think people just don't realize. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think people would be surprised. We honestly don't talk about winning a lot. Um, we don't talk about competitiveness from a perspective of – you know, it, it's all about trophies. It's all about winning. We're very process-oriented, I would say, as a department, and our coaches are as well. It's about running a good process that can lend us those outcomes. Um, you know, we have a statement in our department of earn it. Um, you see it all amongst our hallways and locker rooms on apparel. Um, you know, for us, when I talk to student-athletes about it, earn it, they think of it as hard work championships. When we talk to them about it and more of the lens of EARN IT stands for our commitment as staff to help them be champions, 
champions in their sport, champions in ath- academics, and champions in their personal lives, you know, it resonates at a deeper level. Um, and that's why we spend so much time just talking about how do we intentionally have a solid process that aids in their development. Is athletics a part of that? Yeah, 100% it is. That's why we have great strength coaches, why we have sports medicine staff, why our coaches are always finding ways in which we can help from a player development team perspective. Yeah, that's a big part of it, but we know that success can only be if we also support them as individuals, as as students. They have a lot going on in their personal lives as well, too. So we want to be there for them, and that's why we do some things that, you know, probably other institutions don't have the capacity for, maybe are so focused on athletics, they they don't want to pursue those opportunities. But we try to take a well, well-rounded well approach to it, a holistic approach. Um, you know, we rely on our student-athletes yeah, um, to really be a voice, a part of it. You know, anytime I talk to my peers, uh, they're always a little bit amazed how willing we are to ask our student athletes, how was your experience? Right. You know, what opportunities do you see that well, we it, could do to support it's you? It's dangerous because you're going to hear some things you don't want to hear. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have. And, and you know, but. But that's how you make progressions. Right. Too exactly. If, right. And, yep. you know, I always say, and I'm fortunate to be able to work with our SAC group, which is a, a student athlete advisory committee, two leaders of all of our programs. That's really they lead our community service, but they are the main vehicle a little bit to talk about the student athlete experience um, and opportunities for enhancements and improvements there. And, you know, I tell them what you probably are about to tell me, I've probably heard before. Um, and if we are about the student athlete experience, we need to be willing to hear the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, I think as, as we've looked at our SAC and our assessment data, we've seen continued improvement. Facilities are a big thing that, you know, that's a big tangible thing that, you know, our student athletes desire and deserve and need that we're making progress on. Wish it could happen quicker and sooner, but we're making the steps to support their experience and they're a big part of the voice behind it. I think it's a pretty good way for us to kick off the 23-24 year with uh, podcast number one with the the AD Nick Bursick. I agree. That'll do it for this episode of Eye of the Swarm. Thank you very much for tuning in. For Athletic Director Nick Bursick, for the Big Sound, Matt Johnson, I am John Garver. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.